You are listening to episode 53 of the Within Us podcast with Ozzy Jankovic. How to befriend your stress using a lesser known tool in wellness and mindfulness to live with more energy, vitality, and joy. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited for you to meet Nomi. This interview with Nomi was a part of a workshop that took place online last week. Over the course of this pandemic that we're in, I feel like my perspective about this show and my work has shifted so dramatically. The number one thing that I've taken away from this time period is that we need to feel a sense of connection and belonging in our lives. I love interviewing my guests so much. And one thing that I realize is that many of my guests have so much to share and so much to teach that the interview that we do really lends itself to more of a learning experience slash workshop. For those of you who don't know my background, I am an educator. I'm a lifetime educator. I've been teaching now for decades and I have three degrees in education and I've taught in so many different places and spaces. And while I'm doing coaching right now and while I'm helping female entrepreneurs set goals and reach their goals and stay inspired and stay accountable and enjoy the process. I try to take an educational approach to the work that I do. It occurred to me recently that rather than doing a podcast interview where I am the only one who has the opportunity to hear from my guest, why not bring my guest into a live workshop and provide an opportunity for others to take part in that as well? So two weeks ago, my weekly workshop was born. Today, you are going to hear the interview portion of the weekly workshop where Nomi was my guest. If you would like to find out more information about upcoming weekly workshops, and you'd also like to be a part of the workshop part of our presentation, the interactive part that takes place online in a Zoom room with me and my guest, you can do so by visiting my website, drazi.co. That's D-R-A-Z-I dot C-O backslash workshop, and you can sign up to join me. I would absolutely love to have you there. And what's so special about this space is that it really gives you an opportunity because every single workshop includes breakout groups where you will get to meet other women in a small group setting and implement all of the new ideas that you're learning in the workshop and have a chance to connect with real people in real authentic and connecting ways. I would really love to have you. Again, it's drazi.co backslash workshop. Now with nothing further, I am so thrilled to introduce you to Nomi Levy. She is now a three-time guest on this show. She is my personal wellness coach and advisor. She is a board certified Duke University affiliated health coach, and she bases all of the work that she does on research and evidence, which means she has a lot of science 
at her fingertips, which you're going to hear about in this episode. And I always know that every piece of advice she's giving me about exercise, mindset, wellness, food, health, any aspect of health is coming from a place of evidence. I really appreciate her so much. I'm actually going to be having my kids work with her over time. I have two teenage daughters now, and I find that they ask me a lot of questions about health and wellness, and I'm really excited, and I, I trust Nomi so much. It's, it's such a joy to have someone like Nomi in my life that I can feel confident about sending my daughters to, where I know she will give them the tools that they need to appreciate their bodies, to pursue well-being, and really do it in ways that are supporting their mental and spiritual health, their emotional health, and also in a way that's going to enable them to enjoy the process. With nothing further, it is an absolute pleasure to introduce you to Nomi Levy. Thank you so much for like the warmest, nicest, sweetest welcome. Um, just really appreciate that. And I appreciate you giving me a forum to talk about my absolute favorite topic. And I really could talk about this all day long. You could call me in the middle of the day. We could do a chat. Um, when I'm meeting with clients, it's, it's always new and exciting because the context is always changing and there's always possibility. So I'm really excited for everybody to ask questions. Please participate. Health is a real in-time topic and I wanna keep it dynamic. And if you've got questions, um, please feel free to, don't be shy. Um, so today we're gonna talk about stress because it's like the thing, right? I think that we've all had an uptick in our stress levels. I'm, I'm imagining that we've all had an increase in stress over the last how many months has it been? Does time matter anymore? Like it's Tuesday, Wednesday? Exactly. Like, I don't even know, like whatever, you know, it's 2020 still somehow. So um, first I want to start off with just sort of like getting us thinking a little bit about like, how do we think about stress now? And I'm going to start off with some true and false questions. So you can just answer these to yourself, maybe answer them in the chat if something comes up. So the first one I want to ask is stress drives the disease process or any disease process. Okay, answer to yourself, true, false. So so um, again, no. if you wanna answer in the chat, I'm, I'm looking at the chat on Zoom for anybody watching live on Facebook. If you're in this circle and in insight circle, you wanna hop into Zoom, I can see the chat here. I can't see it on Facebook. So the question is again, Nomi, stress? Stress drives the disease process. Okay, or a true or false. True or false, okay. True or false, to have optimal wellness, we should avoid stress. Okay, I'll give you a second to think about that one. True or false, for optimal wellness, we should avoid stress. Okay, next one, and this is maybe more subjective. I embrace uncertainty and ambiguity. Should we embrace and? Uncertainty, is that the question? Uncertainty and ambiguity. Okay. Anxiety is a reaction to stress, true or false? Avoiding stress habitually will lead to missed opportunities. True or false? And last one, just to get us thinking, stress is less harmful if we befriend it. Okay, 
So I see some great answers popping up and it gets everybody thinking. And I think that um, what's the conventional view of stress? And what I study, I'm doing, I was talking about this with, with uh, Azriella before, is I'm finishing my, now my master's in nutrition and functional medicine. And so we learn from the very beginning for the last few years about how stress <laughs> drives disease. And when we hear this, a lot of times what it comes down to is, well, how do we avoid stress? And the truth is, stress isn't something that we have to avoid. It's always going to be there. And we actually want to find a way that we can embrace it and befriend it so that we can use it for the messages that it can tell us and for the opportunities that it brings us. So it's true that chronic stress in the context of an unhealthy lifestyle and in a subjective mindset that tells us stress is harmful, that kind of stress can be harmful and it can drive a disease process. However, one of the things that's come out of the research in the past few years is we found out that if people believe that stress is not harmful, they actually have lower risk of disease or mortality than people who don't believe, don't have any stress. So who have very low stress levels. So this is really fascinating. So, so I want to pause here for a second and, 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 and just take a moment with what you said. People who believe that stress is not harmful. What's the second part? Mm-hmm. People who believe that stress is non-harmful will actually have a lower risk of mortality than people who don't have any stress, who self-report as having low stress. So essentially what we are saying is that believing stress is not harmful actually leads to longer and better, more, vi- more vitality in one's life, a longer life. A hundred percent. It's what is the story that we're telling ourselves about stress? And I can kind of speak from personal experience is that my modus operandi for many, many years, I would say from like, you know, early marriage and through the beginning of parenthood for me was like avoid stress, like have the routine, have the schedule, make sure the kids stay on schedule, make sure that everything and all of the, um, sorry, something just popped up on my screen, make sure that everything is managed. And that way we avoid stress. Like everybody goes to bed on time. Everybody wakes up. Everything is checked. All the boxes are checked. I was a big stress avoider. So much to the point that when I was dating my husband, I actually said, I really think mothers should not work. (laughs) And I just think that it's impossible to manage both. And, you know, there could be some truth there, whatever. But I said, you know, I really, this is so important to me. Like I need to know that I can be like a stay at home mom, even if that means like lower income, but lower lifestyle, that is so important to me because I felt like stress just wasn't worth it. And so I avoided it at all costs. And lo and behold, over the last few years, I would say that I voluntarily chose to put a lot of different stressful things into my life. And I was like, whoa, I've been avoiding stress for like the last, I don't know, for like the first 10, 12 years of my marriage. And then all of a sudden within the last five to six years, transitioning over to going back to school, working, finishing grad school, starting my business, doing supervision, I realized I could have, I I can handle so much more. And that brings us to the other thing. The research shows us actually that stress is most harmful when we feel like it's out of control or against our will. But when stress, stress is most harmful, so when we feel like it's out of control or mm-hmm. against our will. Yes. Okay. 
if we can find meaning within stress, then it's less harmful. And in fact, research also shows us that people who report having higher levels of stress often report having more levels and higher levels of meaning and satisfaction within their lives. This is because fascinating. So essentially we are saying is stress is, is very nuanced and there is more than the actual measurable stresses in our lives. There's almost this lens or this layer that is the story that we tell ourselves, how we interpret the events in our lives, the stresses that are happening. Exactly. So in psychology research, they call this a subjective mindset. And it's how do we shift our perception and organization of information in order to shift that mindset? So if our subjective mindset is stress is harmful, I have to avoid stress. I have to make sure that everything runs a certain way so that I don't have stress, or I have to make sure that I don't take too much on or that I, I don't do what I want to do because I just, I can't handle the stress. I'd rather be unfulfilled than be stressed, right? So we're missing out on opportunities. We're missing out also on the richness of our lives and the ability to really fully interact with our lives, with others in a vibrant and layered way. Um, and we touched a little bit on this when we were chatting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, and I feel like there, there's so much to explore here in terms of understanding stress, you know, listening to your story about actually how embracing stress or embracing doing more, stepping out of your comfort zone and how that's enabled you to really live more and really enjoy more and really feel more fulfilled is really interesting. And I'm curious if there's you know, from, from a research perspective, from the, the wellness perspective, if there's a way of understanding or identifying where our, our stress is healthy and adaptive, mm -hmm. and then what kinds of stress are not healthy, unhealthy, or maladaptive. Totally. Okay. So first of all, I love that. I just love that you use the word adaptive because um, on a subcellular level, right? Within, on a cellular level, subcellular, in the mitochondria, we have a process called mitohormesis. And mitohormesis is a process um, that when the mitochondria are subjected to some sort of stress, so a good example of that is exercise, is the type of stress. In response to exercise, a compound called reactive oxygen species is produced. When reactive oxygen species is produced, this is a very powerful signaling molecule, but it is one of what we call, it's a cell stress response. So on a subcellular level, we have this stress response. What does reactive oxygen species do? It actually signals a cascade of adaptive responses within the cell so that the cell can adapt to stress. And also it can promote mitochondrial fission infusion, which is how mitochondria themselves reorganize to be more efficient. So if we think on a subcellular level, we are programmed to deal with stress. From we are programmed, interesting, we're programmed to adapt to our circumstances, which could be why. And, and I love how Nomi brings so much science into this. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm wondering how I can and sort of sum this up in, in a, a very easy to understand way as human beings thinking about stress, right? Thinking about stress or worrying about the future is probably more painful and more stressful than actually being in the circumstance that we're worried about because we have this adaptation, because we are as 100%. human beings, the most ad adaptable people. hundred percent. 
right? We are adaptable, 100%. And also what, had, what we tend to see in the research is that when people avoid stress, they choose behaviors to help them avoid stress and those behaviors are harmful. So if we think, think about, you know, we can all look back on our lives. What are the behaviors that we use to avoid stress? So it could be procrastination, emotional eating, drinking, over-medicating, zoning out. There's ways that we just check out so that we don't have to actually engage with the stress. But the research shows us that actually those behaviors are going to be more harmful in the long run than dealing with the stress in the short run. Oh, I, this, is, this is so fascinating. So I love to, to, to really pause here and get into the day-to-day stresses that we could all be feeling, that everyone listening could be dealing with feeling and 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 really honing in on that those moments of perhaps worrying about the future or the 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 fear or the um, anxiousness around the you know COVID that's happening or perhaps the families that are you know people people having to stay home whether it's having to stay home alone and be alone and be without social connections and without that healthy socialization. Or even being in a home where there are lots of kids and everyone being in one space and lots of noise. I mean, all of these situations, among others, right, are out of the ordinary. So I'm curious if we can sort of tune into one of them. Maybe everyone here can think of one. How do we know, Nomi, when something is causing a stress response to happen? How do we identify that? Well, a stress response is a physiological response initiated by the robot, by the body in response to an external threat. And then the anxiety is generally what we get in response to stress. Okay, so, so a physiological an, an, an anxiety is an internal feeling, and the stress response is a physiological response to an external feeling, whereas anxiety is the response that we have to our thought process. So by way of physiological response, can can you share an example or common examples of what people might notice? If they're dealing um, with that rapid heart rate, flushing, um, a little bit of dizziness, shortness of breath, that could be like a immediate flight or fight response from the sympathetic nervous system. Um, we could also have longer term sort of chronic stress responses, gastrointestinal issues, headaches, um, fatigue. These can also be responses to chronic stress that won't necessarily have that fight or flight adrenal cortisol response that we typically associate with acute stress. Okay. And so, so walk us through this. We're in a a situation and let's take the first one, for example, this rapid heart rate or shortness of breath. Where do we go with that? What does it look like to embrace that? Okay. So embracing that is actually first, like we feel that. Okay. So I'll, I'm going to just bring in like, have you ever got like yelled at by like another driver? or like somebody in the supermarket. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. And if you're not a person who likes confrontation, or maybe if you are, whatever it is, you all of a sudden, like your heart rate just picks up. You feel this like flush, you feel your cheeks. It's a physiological response to a threat. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is we could sort of like recoil and say like, Oh my gosh, I can't do this. Oh, I have to get away. I have to leave this situation. The other thing that we could do is like, wow, this response is actually telling me that I've got more energy right now to deal with this. So if we've got that rapid heart rate response, let's just shift as away from thinking, oh, I have to like run away, or this is like, this, this is so scary for me, or I can't manage. What's the refrain that pops into our head? The refrain can be, because that's what this response is trying to initiate from a physiological perspective, is you've got more energy to deal with this. 
you've got more oh, this clarity. Is so you interesting. Just so more, this you is got a dose of cortisol. That this cortisol is so fascinating. So this moment here where it's so easy to say, how many times have I caught myself saying, I can't handle, I can't handle this. I need to take a walk or I need to, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like the easiest thing to say, but you're saying that's the critical moment where the shift oh, really yeah, happens. Totally. So in that moment, we do, it's, it's, a, it's, we've got more energy. We, that cortisol gives us a little bit more clarity. Okay. And if you think about it, what happens when we train for stress? Well, if you're an athlete and you train for stress, you perform better. If you're a doctor and you train for stress, you do surgery better. If you're an EMT and you train for stress, you're a better emergency, you know, you're giving better emergency care. So we can train for stress and we can train to utilize stress and use it to our advantage, um, including that acute stress response. Now, what wow. about the second one? When this is fascinating. Chronic. There's so much, there's so much here. There's so much here. I, I, I want to see if we can revisit one thing that you said about mm-hmm. the, the response, that rapid heart rate or the breathing as being a response to a threat. And I think mm-hmm. that sometimes as, you know, evolved human beings living in the year 2020, it almost seems silly that I would feel genuinely threatened by someone yelling in a supermarket. I mean, we could validate it. And I don't know if any of us like to, I mean, raised voices can be perceived as a threat, even with animals, right? Like you're in the woods, right. you see a bear. Right. So, like, so I think it's okay. worth, I think it's worth, and, and, you know, I speak about this and, and I repeat it a lot because once I started understanding the more primal subconscious fears and the unconscious fears that we ha- human beings have, that we really are primed for our survival. So even if intellectually, I know that that person in the supermarket isn't going to physically harm me, there's still a bell that goes off. A hundred percent. And that initiates that sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight, that cortisol, that vasoconstriction, that everything that we feel um, in in a stress response. So, but we so, can also so have- I, I, I'm happy you said the word threat because for whatever reason, sort of re, revisiting that conception of what a threat is and giving myself some grace. If we can give ourselves some grace that it's okay to feel threatened by someone yelling at you, even, even if they're in the car over there and, and embracing whatever the response is, right? This, as you said, the, the physiological immediate response. And then you said to ask the question, what do I do with that stress now? I have this, you said, improved focus, clarity. So that's a great point to actually practice who you want to be. If you can take that moment back, if there is that pause button between reaction and doing, then that's where we can sort of pull out um, what are our options right then. So in the moment, it's hard to practice. It's better if we've sort of in our head already gone through. Our imagination is one of our greatest tools. Einstein says that. Hazal say that. Um, so our greatest tool is really our imagination. If we have a thing where we feel threatened, we say, well, what would my ideal response be? And if we've already visualized that, there's a greater chance that we can choose it. Um, and hopefully we'll just be able to, just with that pause button of like recognizing like, whoa, I've got clarity now or I've got energy we'll be able to make that choice because that thought is a pause. Taking the pause, noticing the response and taking a, a pause in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend or would you, 
Would you say that in that moment, the stress needs somewhere to go? Does it need to be released? Does it need? Um, it's interesting. That's a good question. My head goes towards the idea, you know, of physio- physically, when we have that cortisol release, it's nice to release it, right? You know, I'm, I'm a runner. So before a race, um, before training practice, when I'm really motivated, I get a cortisol surge that makes me feel almost nauseous. And so um, it's great to be able to go and run that off. Wow. Um, I don't know if in the grocery store, now, could we breathe? Could we try to awaken, you know, the other side of our nervous system and just to like do a few calm downs? Definitely. Can we help to just sort of acknowledge, can we give space for that moment? Is that also a way for release? Um, Can we have a little cry every once in a while? Like cortisol is released in tears. That's also good, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Wow. it might not always be feasible to go for a run and we definitely don't want to use that cortisol to like, you know, whack the driver or, you know, like we don't want it to take us in the wrong direction, but perhaps if we acknowledge that it's giving us clarity, maybe there's the release using it um, for mental clarity, using it as energy there. Mental clarity, having that mindset and then not fighting it or not feeling the need to run away or, or, you know, I can't, I can't do this sort of immediate giving up. And then you mentioned something about the calm down and and the breathing. Are there any specifics, Nomi, that you, that you like to use or that? I'm a big, I'm a huge breathing advocate. I think that all of us should practice breathing proactively as opposed to reactively. So reactive breathing is that breath that we have to make ourselves take in the moment. Proactive breathing, I recommend in the morning, if you can, um, prop your feet up on the pillow. This is something I work with a physical therapist and she recommends this to a lot of people and I use it regularly. I've taught. That to my kids. Um, so I recommend laying down on your back, placing one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly. If you place your knees so that they're at a 90 degree angle, that actually helps your diaphragm to be in the right position so that you can get and move from thoracic breathing into that belly breathing. And if we practice that, you know, we, that thoracic breathing comes when we're nervous, that thoracic just chest breathing comes when we're feeling threatened, that rapid shallow breath. So we really want to practice bringing the breath into our belly. And, you know, there's great apps. I love Headspace because it counts my meditation minutes and I can overachieve in meditation. Fun, fun. So (laughs) I, I love the apps, but honestly, I'm not going to do that as much as I can just lay down, put my feet up and take five breaths. Five breaths is better than nothing. And it's five breaths closer to how I want to be breathing consistently or in a threatening situation. I heard something the other day. I, I don't remember where, but it was along the lines of that. The lower third of our lung capacity is responsible for two thirds of our oxygenation, including the oxygenation to our brain and our vital organs. That's so interesting. It brings me back to yogic, like d- different types of yogic breath. And um, there are breaths that really work on recycling, like that lower part of the lung, like c- certain rapid breathing types that can get that oxygen out. I mean, that's part of part of the breathing. It's interesting. I definitely think that we have to we have to breathe, like number one, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy not to. It's so easy totally. not to. Totally. And I think that. Um, 
sometimes people will tell me, oh, I, I can't stand to meditate or I can't stand to sit and breathe because it's just so, it makes me feel nervous, makes me feel anxious. And a lot of times it's because when we sit and focus on the breath, if we don't have that diapragmatic alignment, if we're not in the right position and we're not bringing the breath into the belly, concentrating on thoracic breathing is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can identify with that. And I've seen, I've seen it happen. So I want to go back to the method that you said it was lying down with your feet. Mm-hmm. Can you just share that feet, with us one like, more time up on a pillow um, so that your knees are at a 90 degree angle and your pelvis and um, quadriceps are also at a 90 degree angle and just place one hand on your belly and one hand on your chest and just make sure that you feel the breath moving from the chest also into the belly. I love that. I'm I'm relaxed just thinking about it. The exhale, totally. The ex. I do it in my car. I do it in line at the grocery store. Um, I think that also there is like some research what they call them asymmetric breathing, where the dive, the exhale is longer than the inhalation, and that's a great way to awaken the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, The exhale is longer than the inhale. Yeah, twice as long as the inhale. So that could be three six or, you know, four eight. Um, with an exhale being eight. And that has some good research on it in terms of um, just it, we use it sometimes in GERD, people who are dealing with gastric reflux. We can use it also. um, One of the most interesting pieces of research, it was a tiny study, but it was just fascinating, was that this type of breathing was shown to initiate DNA transcription of the DNA that helps ATP production within the mitochondria. So that means that you become more efficient at producing ATP, which is energy. So basically what the researchers were telling us after we like, after I summarize everything, I'm like, it's telling us to breathe so we can have more energy, have more energy. (laughs) It's it's a one breath away. What it, what a gift. Yeah. What a gift. You know, it's so interesting in this time where people are suddenly wearing masks. We are no longer taking that breath for granted. Oh, for sure. You feel every musty, humid breath. And doesn't it feel so good to not wear that mask? And how we have an abundance of oxygen. It is, it's such an incredible, incredible gift. And literally that, that one thing, that simple act can give us so much more energy. So I love this so much. How fun is Nomi? She really makes health and wellness an absolute pleasure. That is the end of the recording. The rest of the event was interactive. We had a live Q&A with the participants. We had some really neat breakout groups. The activity that we did in the breakout group is something you can do on your own, which is really thinking about one thing that you can implement from what Nomi talked about. What's one thing that you can bring into your life? And we did it in partners or small groups. I encourage you to have this conversation with another person, whether it's someone in your family, or even if it's reaching out and having this conversation with someone who hasn't yet heard the episode, you can share a link to the episode. You can talk about it together and you are welcome to join us for our next workshop. We've got all kinds of incredible speakers coming in. We have speakers about memory and focus and productivity, about setting healthy boundaries in our life, about self-defense for women and girls, about business and about marketing and about boosting your creativity, about bringing more abundance and wealth into your life. The list goes on and on. I mean, mindfulness, 
I have such incredible guests lined up for you. So hop on over to drozzy.co backslash workshop. You can see what's happening this week. And I also have a brand new membership program. So if you would like to join me every single week for a workshop, you can get in as a founder of the Insight Circle for the low price of $49 a month. I don't know how long this incredible deal is going to be around, but if you'd like to join me every week for these workshops, you're going to get to spend time with me. These are people that I handpick that I want to see and I want to spend time with and I want to learn from, and I would love for you to be there with me. It has really never been more important for me to feel connected and to provide an opportunity for you to connect as well. So I would love to see you inside. If you want to join the brand new Insight Circle, you can visit drozzy.co backslash insight community. And you can use the code founder at checkout for a very special coupon. It's my special way of thanking you for being a listener and for showing up here. It is an absolute joy to know that you come back every single week. Thank you so much for being here. Definitely stay connected to me. If we are not yet connected on social, let's be connected. I'm Dr. Ozzy Jankovic on Facebook and on Instagram. I try to post on a regular basis. I try to put out content that's going to inspire you. And most of all, my goal with social media is to connect to you. And you can always message me. Send me a DM. Tell me one thing you loved about the episode. Tell me something you're struggling with. Whatever you send my way is confidential. It stays with me. I want to hear from you. And I will message you back as well. So please stay connected. And wherever you are in the world, I hope that you are meeting yourself with so much kindness. Take a moment today to acknowledge all of the effort that you are putting out in your life. You know, in difficult times, in times of change, our brains and our bodies are working on overtime. And it's so important to sit down and acknowledge all of the effort that you're making. You are working so hard in so many areas of your life. And I think that really says a lot. You know, before I go, I want to share with you that I learned recently from, I believe it was Jim Quick, who's a memory expert, and he spoke about how our brains learn and we get inspiration and insight when we're resting and when we're playing and when we're recovering. So that gave me a lot of permission. You know, I put a lot of pressure on myself in my life. I love to have my house sparkling clean and I love to be super productive and I love to really have my ducks in a row, but it's not always manageable. It's not always realistic. And it's not always easy for me to give myself some time and space, but I'm gonna inspire you to do it. And I'm going to wrap up this episode and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna watch the sunset and I'm gonna get some photons and do my evening ritual. And you're gonna be on my mind and in my heart. So thanks again for being here and until next week. Stay connected, and I hope to see you on the inside.